Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 153. He spat through his teeth and wore a red leather jacket. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Big week of television. Lots of television to watch. Lots of things happening. There's, of course, fall season in the US. So uh, somehow we've all found uh, certain episodes of some shows uh, to watch and report on as far as fall season goes. So we're going to be talking about The Life and Times of Tim, a new HBO animation. I know. Animation from HBO. Who would have thunk it? What's going on there? And uh, and also uh, going to be comparing that with a, uh, a CBS show called Worst Week. Uh, we're also going to... Another US remake. Another US remake. Of, we love uh, the US remakes here. It's what we do now. They're so good. This, they, really, they really take the essence of the show and then hide it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, surgically remove it. Yes. Uh, except for The Office, which was great. Uh, but, uh, you know, all in the family... Yeah, uh, the uh, we were, also, we're also going. Hey, Dijon was great. Only because you like. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, review with Miles Barlow. We're not going to talk about review with Miles, but like Miles Barlow isn't coming in. We're going to talk about. We're actually going to review. Show. We're going to review review with Miles Barlow. Yes, but not with Miles Barlow. The no. show. The show quote. Review with Miles Barlow, we, end quote. That's we, it. We Thank should get you. Miles Barlow in, and then we could review review with Miles Barlow with Miles Barlow. <laughs> that would be excellent. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Let's mm. not do it this week. Let's hold it off. <laughs> which, uh, which is a, a new show that started on ABC2 uh, last Thursday night, and uh, we were made aware of it by uh, Al- Alex Boxcutter. Alex Boxcutter. Thank you, Alex Boxcutter, for demanding that we watch it on your behalf. Uh, we've got letters to box cutters, and we've got the box cutters quiz this week. Thanks very much to Crumpler, who make bags and stuff. Mm. Going to finish everything off with pork, but as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. John Richards. <laughs> Sorry, I never know where that was going to end. That one just seems to go on a lot longer than I expect. It's almost like a, a phone number. Oh, for Josh bloody hell. <laughs> it started already. If you do want to text us, 0458, but doctor. 0458 Cutter mm-hmm. is the number to send us an SMS. And if you want to email us, hooray at boxcutters.net. John Richards, what news have you got for us? I have some wholly expected news about Kath and Kim. Um, <laughs> wholly expected news, Batman! <laughs> <laughs> I said before, I don't even know if you bother with this because it's just it's quite tedious. So we're, we're opening with it. Um, Kath and Kim in the US, episode two, took quite a dive from episode one. With uh, the numbers went down from 7.5 million for the first week to 6 million for the second week. US magazine Entertainment Weekly describes it as a rough evening for NBC. Uh, all their shows are doing quite badly on that night. So, My Name is Earl, which was the lead into Kath and Kim, lost 7% of its audience, and The Office, which airs after, uh, lost 9% of its audience. So, I, Kath blame, and Kim, I blame the credit crisis crunch. Yes, and Kath and Kim apparently killing everything around. That, that's, <laughs> that's what we've learned. <laughs> Well, uh, we have to uh, to put this into perspective for Australian listeners. 
an American six million rating, so six million American viewers, is kind of the equivalent of six hundred thousand Australian viewers. So uh, mm. you can imagine that if something did only rate six hundred thousand, uh, and someone had put a lot of money into it, they'd be very upset. They'd be a bit disappointed. Yes, Brett. Uh, yes, fortunately, uh, Australia's Channel 7 didn't put much money into it at all because uh, they've already axed it after the second outing on the local network here uh, after it plummeted to a mere 729,000 viewers. So it's actually, ra- it, 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 the second episode actually rated better in Australia <laughs> than, than it, it did. did. In the US. Per, per head of population. Mm, yes. Um, Selma Blair, I just want to mention quickly, because last week the, the lovely Scott Brennan mentioned an interview with Selma Blair where she said she'd put weight on no, y- yes. to, to play. I, I, that was me. Um, it's easy to get us confused. Uh, well, the, yeah, the lovely Josh Canal also said this. Um, uh, but it was just, I, I actually found that hard to believe, and I went and looked it up and did some research, and she claims that she put on 20 pounds, I, I don't know what that is in real About 10 kilos. About 10 kilos. Uh, about 89 stone. To play, the rule, to play the role, and that she felt like you know, a hideous porker, and she's a really, really thin lady. Mm. And I was looking at these pictures online of what to me is a thin lady and what the Americans are going, oh, she's a hideous, bloated whale now, <laughs> isn't she? <laughs> How terrifying American body image is. Man, the harpoons. <laughs> <laughs> it's Selma Blair. Speaking it's- of axings. Yes. Uh, Channel 9 have uh, finished up Fringe for our local broadcasting uh, pleasure. What number episode then was that? What did they get to? Uh, I think they got halfway through the first one. (laughs) (laughs) 23 minutes in. It did seem to go on. Um, Maybe three episodes. Right. But uh, after after playing the first one, they're, they're requisite six times. With the special on-call screens, just trying to get everybody excited about it, just didn't work. It well, it was, it, it was fairly obvious that that was going to happen. I, I saw that. Uh, I saw the signs for that writ large yes. in three D. Three D letters hovering <laughs> above me. Yes, in, again in wholly expected news. But it's very, it got good reviews here, and yet I just yeah, the thing you're watching, going, I can't see how anyone is going to want to watch this on a regular. Here's here's, here's what I found really interesting. People really liked. Uh, you know, when I say people, I mean a, a lot of television reviewers. So <laughs> it's being generous. But the uh, they said Fringe was really good, and they didn't really pick any holes in Fringe, which, as we know, you could drive trucks through those holes. Or the letters. Do, you could drive trucks through those giant letters. You could, you could, you could really get, uh, say, Mark Jacko Jackson and two other team members to form shapes through those big <laughs> holes. In uh, It's a hole-in-the-wall reference. Oh, okay. It's a, that's With, also been axed. Jacko on Hall yeah. Oh, oh hang on, sorry, sorry, I did interrupt the point you were going to make. Has it finally been axed? Because that show had axed me written all over it from it, the very beginning. It and has, I, I believe, now been axed. Well, thank, so, thank I think God. from before the very beginning. But yes, I mean, yeah, from a concept. In fact, that in fact way back to, to when certain hosts just didn't want to host it. In, in fact, I think if I could, uh, you know, do a Brett Cropley on this, I think I, uh, I called that about eight <laughs> months ago. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, what did I do before my joke? Fringe, Fringe TV reviewers. Fringe TV reviewers really, really liked Fringe for no, seemingly no good reason. Other I enjoyed than, Fringe. Other than, uh, you know. I just wasn't hung up on your great big letters. <laughs> How could you not which, be there? Which that you guys so just don't seem to be able Can to I? see through. <laughs> uh, you know, other than everything that comes out of J.J. Abrams' ass must be gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kath and Kim, they are just. Like, even Australian reviewers are just completely against 
in its very basic concept, but neither sets of reviews seem to be really very uh, constructively critical. Well, was it uh, was it Marie Hardy? Uh, someone wrote a piece recently saying that if the actual American Catherine Kim had turned out to be better than ours, like we would have just fallen to pieces as a country. We would have, just, we would have, yeah, we would have set things on fire. We would have been outraged. Like yeah. we desperately wanted it to fail so we could feel sort of superior about it, about well, it being our own. And so, and so, of course, reviewers are going to to give it negative criticism in Australia mm-hmm. because there is that feeling of well, we can't even hardly say that it's better. It or did, it did as turn out to be not or, very good, though. That was the other thing. It did. It turned out to be not very good, but it. Uh, but you know, <laughs> to pat ourselves on the back <laughs> for a minute. I haven't seen any reviews that talk about uh, that talk about the problems with uh, cultural divide, and it being a show very much about culture and based entirely on culture. Yes, uh, yeah. the that seems to have missed a whole lot of reviewers. They just go, "Well, the jokes aren't very good." The thing is, the jokes are the same. A lot of a lot of the script is the first episode of. Of Kath and Kim. Well, like we were talking last, yeah, last week, that and idea that there aren't, there aren't necessarily um, the same cultural touchstones for them to use. Right. And so, uh, and so why, why doesn't anybody report on that? It's just, sorry, it's just a little bugbear I have about, uh, about television criticism. But in, in the same way, if we were going to try and make, remake My Name is Earl, mm. you know, um, which I think is actually a really good comedy, we couldn't remake that. It just doesn't translate to... To, you'd have to put yeah, a lot of thought into how you can turn those American archetypes into any kind of Australian equivalent. And yet, I mentioned All in the Family earlier on, mm-hmm. and Kingswood Country was a, a fine remake as far as transporting it to... Well, I think racism and bigotry works in every country. Well, that's <laughs> you know, true. It's, it's a beautiful thing that's somehow transcendent of, of all, all creeds and well, that, cultures. May, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, uh, that, that is something that we can all relate to because we all know someone like Ted Bullpit mm-hmm. or someone like... Uh, I forget his name. Uh, the uh, Wog. Alf, Alf Garnet was. Alf Garnet was, was in the, in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no, his name escapes me. And all in the family. Red. Was no. it a red? No. No, you're thinking of that seventies show. Uh, <laughs> but that guy. That guy. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the thing is, yeah, maybe that that does translate across the oceans. But something as subtle as class distinction doesn't. Yes, no, I agree. Uh, regardless, it's doing better in Australia than it is in the US. And, and uh, it's still been axed here. And still been axed. Uh, Fringe, on the other hand, I don't think has done well anywhere. And that, I think, can only be because it wasn't a very good show. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a very good show. So, there, Fringe. Hey, what might be a very good show is uh, a new show that uh, is going to be created by Daily Show real-life couple, Samantha B and uh, that Jason guy. Jones. Yep. Not English guy. He's not There's another. English. Oh, okay. John Oliver's the English guy. Yes. Jason Jones is not English. My mistake. Very much American. Uh, Samantha B and Jason Jones, uh, who are in real life a married couple and are also... Two reporters on The Daily Show have been signed to CBS to co-write a script that will star them. It's untitled, but it will revolve around the behind-the-scenes world of a celebrity chef. Hmm. 
Now, Samantha Bee and Jason Jones are very bloody funny on The Daily Show. Uh, I think S- Samantha Bee is hilarious. Uh, Jason Jones does some great self-parody. It could be a really good show. And it's the sort of thing that uh, the American free-to-air networks need at the moment. They need a show that they can really cling to and, and uh, that will bring with it a cult following that already exists. Uh, I think it's very interesting. I, I look forward to it. Hopefully, it will hit their screens and therefore kind of our screens. <laughs> our small screens. The ones in our head where shows appear. Yes. Yes. In what Appear shows. In, appear. When, when will they be appearing? Uh, I'm hoping 2009. Okay. That's really, that's not news. That's me hoping. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm hoping 2009. We're just going to start declaring the shows we want to see. Yep. Yeah. I want to see that show. Yep. Um, well, that reminds me because, of course, Tina Fey had the, uh, the same thing. She was taken off to NBC with giving her own project. They said, make what you want. And she made 30 Rock and we all lived happily ever after. <sighs> um, Good times. Good she's times, She's been appearing on Saturday Night Live for the last few weeks. She's been playing um, Sarah Palin. Uh, I'm a bit of an American uh, uh, election junkie. I love elections. I, just, I think they're great. Um, I've, I spend days reading extreme right-wing blogs just to uh, see what the crazy people are doing. Did, were you also following the Canadian election? I didn't actually know it was on. I must have right. until until yeah, it was so you over. Don't, you don't but love Stephen elections Har- that much. But Stephen Harper, but yeah, bless him. Hooray. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> He's got a cat. Hooray for him. Welcome back, Harper. Yeah, um... But the, really? um, it was interesting. This week on uh, Saturday Night Live, Sarah Palin herself came on. This is the, the Republican vice presidential nominee, Sarah Palin, who's a bit nuts. <laughs> and um, she came on to play herself. And it turns out that has been the highest rating, highest overnight rating. I'm not entirely sure what that means. It's the highest overnight rating in 14 years of Saturday Night Live. Was that on one of their Thursday shows or one of their Saturday no, shows? No, this, this is one of the Saturday ones. And apparently, because the show's been doing quite badly, apparently, for, for quite a while. And this that, year... That'd be because it's not very funny. Well, because it's not very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's a small thing. And this, um, But they were saying the whole election thing has really helped them. Uh, the sketch comedy show's ratings are running 76% higher than this same time last year because of the interest in, in the election and particularly in... Um, the amazing impersonations of Sarah Palin that uh, that the lovely, lovely Tina Fey has been doing. Right, that's uh, she's very good. <laughs> she's very, very good. In uh, in in uh, related news to that, uh, NBC have uh, joined this Hulu uh, live video. It was not live, but this Hulu video internet thing. Apparently, you can watch videos on the internet now. Who knew? And. Uh, and so NBC are part of Hulu, uh, which mm-hmm. was created to stop all of their content being shown on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And Hulu was locked for uh, US viewers. Yes. Only US viewers. Not for us. No. Now, apparently, Saturday Night Live can be seen in all countries. So. Okay, you can also see all these these Tina Fey clips are at the NBC website as well. And, right. And they can be viewed from Australia, and yeah, quite legally, which is interesting in itself. <laughs> right. And yes, well worth having a look at. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, closer to home, Brett Cropley. Yes, uh, through uh, reforms announced by the federal government uh, last week, uh, there's the possibility of a merger between ABC and SBS, mm. um, which uh, 
and and also to have their boards depoliticized. So, so when you say a merger, you mean you mean a a merging of the overarching governing body of them, not uh, a merger of the two stations into one station. No, they're talking about uh, sharing facilities and and actually bringing the 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 two networks together. So, um, still producing content for uh, both of the uh, both of the channels, um, and uh, obviously coming up with a new strategy about how they they would use uh, the HD channels as well. Yeah, it's a bit sad though, isn't it? Because SBS probably just comes ABC Four under that kind of <laughs> ruling, and ABC ends up with ads on it yeah. potentially. Uh, who is saying this, Brett? Um, well, these. Uh, re- it's been announced by the communications minister Stephen Conroy. Um, the uh, most of the uh, news that we heard last week was about the board vacancies and the staff rep position, staff director uh, position, is to be reinstated, which uh, John Howard oh, good. Uh, dumped when Helen Razor was a uh, board member over there. Was Helen Razor board member? I feel, yeah, I, yeah. I would have dumped that position as well. Um, and that was that was actually after a bit of a, an argument about she refused to sign a confidentiality agreement, um, which would have gagged her basically as as a board member. Well, now that she's not yeah. at the ABC, uh, they can uh, reinstate that. No, she's no still at the ABC. Is she? Apparently, she's not allowed to go and broadcast anything. But they, they, no, it's some weird thing where they were going to try and give her like you know desk duties or something or some crazy phrasing that was effectively we're going to try and get her to provide content for you know, a bit of, bit of the website or something. It it's just, it's like when a when when a policeman is uh, kind of demoted and has to go down into the evidence locker and that's his job. It, it felt very much like yeah they were going well we're not actually firing her we're just doing mm. the best we can. Or, or when you have an international correspondent. <laughs> uh, for example, <laughs> for example, that you want to bring back, um, uh, yes. So uh, there's Stephen Conroy has uh, launched a, a discussion paper and is actually uh, looking for input from everybody. Well, yeah, because he's uh, he's he's he started that based on uh, SBS's Sean Brown last week. Going, can we have seventy million dollars, please? Please, we need seventy million dollars so we can buy more advertising. <laughs> That's how he talks. Why is he now from Reservoir? That's how he talks. Can we please have seventy million dollars um, so we can buy more advertising? Which actually prompted uh, the the prospect of a parliamentary inquiry into what the hell they're doing with the cash that they're already already being given. Given oh, that I they don't, have to I, have I, advertising, I, I, I lent it to my brother. <laughs> Um, if you wanted to uh, have your say, you could. Uh, there's there's a function on the ABC website. You can oh, go to a function ABC. other canapes, <laughs> yes, and cocktail oh. horses do. ABC.net.au slash corp slash have your say. Click canapes, mm. uh, and we'll put a link to that on the. Uh, in fact, it has been linked. Uh, in, it's linked uh, in, in last week's comments. Last, last week's, week's episodes comments. Thank you, Lindell. Although we'll link it yeah, officially as well. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give it a proper link. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to, you know, diss your link, Lindell. That's not it's just di- nobody's going to see it now. We've moved it's, on. We've moved on. Yeah. That was last week. Anyway, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll re- relink it on the blog. Stop living at show 152, baby. <laughs> uh, also, uh, in in local news, Channel 10 are feeling the credit crunch crisis. 
comments. In what way? Well, uh, they, uh, they, they've they refused to give earnings guidance after, according to uh, The Age, a terrible fourth quarter, which triggered a 24.7% fall but in annual earnings. Surely they're, they're obliged to give a... a, a um financials report they give a, a report but they're not giving earnings guidance so a lot of the times uh a, so they a company a company will say uh will say oh expect less this quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> expect it we just we don't want you to be surprised mm. and they'll try to uh to to stem the ridiculous drop in their share price by having that early announcement so everyone goes oh yeah i know that's happening I'll, uh... Quick, get it now! <laughs> so Channel 10's just going, go on, guess! Go guess, on, just guess! Guess guess what it was, because uh, 24.7% we fell, uh, but uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, exactly how much that was, or something. Uh, the, the uh... <laughs> it, apparently it had uh, been on track for a positive year, but uh, th- there was uh, a huge slump last quarter, and uh, it's, uh, investors dragged its share price down, Sixteen point five percent to one dollar. Now they're blaming the investors. Now they're blaming the investors to one dollar thirteen. So how much was it before uh, per share? It was a uh, uh, one hundred eighty-six dollars and seventy cents. Well, no, it, was, it now, dropped. It dropped sixteen point five. So right. it was a uh, one hundred and sixteen point five percent times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, is my understanding uh, the uh, so uh, one point. One dollar thirteen cents. So, if you wanted to buy yourself a, a network, yeah, good good time to start. Yeah, great time to start. And how many times have Cam West tried to sell that network? Uh, yeah, but it was it was never for the low price of a dollar thirteen. <laughs> Plus postage and handling. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, Channel Ten in trouble. Maybe they can I don't know make some money by showing some repeats of Simpsons. Well, Channel Nine's also in in some trouble at the moment. Uh, they're under investigation for breaching broadcasting rules in the crime series Underbelly and the reality cooking show Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. The complaints, largely from religious groups, were about swearing mm. and sex, not the murder and torture that appears <laughs> in Underbelly, because that's apparently uh, fine. It would have been so much funny if you had said not the murder and torture that appears in Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, and uh, what I like here, here we go. This is a report from news.com.au. The Australian Communications and Media Authority. ACMA. Or ACMA. You may remember from last week. Oh, they're, they're, they're nasty people in ACMA. They found Nine aired inappropriate obscene language in episodes of both programs this year. Um, uh, l- let me guess. Let me guess. And have told Nine to go and stand in the corner and think <laughs> about what they've done. Well, the, the quote from, from uh, ACMA spokesperson Donald Robertson is, We have found breaches in both programs, but no action has yet been decided upon. We will now enter into a discussion period with the network to decide what kind of action we will take, and that will be based on the nature of discussion Nine brings to the table. Uh, yeah, take that, Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Channel Nine, get me my belt. Now, related <laughs> to that, uh, we did talk last week about uh, Channel 10 being in trouble, in trouble with ACMA over the uh, close to um, the subliminal, subliminal advertising of the, the Arias. Arias last year. Arias were on, uh, on Sunday... Um, this is box cutters. <laughs> <laughs> tell, and, your friends, uh, tell your friends. Which is just just last night to where we're recording this, um, and uh, apparently we're doing a similar thing, but technically 
subliminal advertising is only when it's one or two frames. If it's three frames, if it's three frames, then it's fine. And uh, so there were still flashes of the sponsors' okay. logos. Big, but there's a big difference between one sixth of a second and sixty-eight seconds. <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, it's not quite a sorry. big difference. No. One one eighth one of a two second. One or two of a second, and one eighth of a second and one twelfth of a second. Huge difference. Right. Huge difference. There was a lovely it's sketch a quarter, on a quarter difference on Newstopia this okay. week. Um, in in the episode of Newstopia that you now probably can't watch anymore on the SBS website, but uh, go back in time. There was. You should a, be able hang to. on. If it was last Wednesday, you should uh, still be able to. For two more days. Yeah. No, but depending yes. on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this in the future. Then you'd have to go to the past. Hello, people in the future. <laughs> Hello, people of the future. Um, there was a lovely episode in which uh, Sean McAuliffe was interviewing a man about subliminal advertising, and then they had a demonstration. <laughs> and uh, the man was going, Now, you, know, you, you, you might not be able to see this, it's very quick, let's have a look. And then a KFC logo came up for about 20 seconds. <laughs> Uh, it was a lovely, lovely piece of work. I love that show so and, much. And Newstopia. meanwhile, on Newstopia, uh, any time they have a picture of uh, Pope Benedict, <laughs> they have that strange vampire flashing that's, up. That's, 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 that's Nosferatu. They've got Nosferatu <laughs> flashing up. Over the Pope. Uh, which is uh, oh, hilarious. Uh, Newstopia. It's uh, it's on SPS uh, Wednesday nights And you can watch it again legally online. It, yes. Each episode's up for a week on the SPS website, and it's a fabulous show. You know, one of my favourite things about Newstopia is a, an ongoing joke right at the beginning of the show where McAuliffe says, and this week on Newstopia tonight. tonight. Yes. Mm. That gets me every week. I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. It's, I love Always it. Always good. I love it. Uh, lastly in the news, V, the excellent miniseries from the 1980s, which, uh, in case you don't remember, was about... Aliens invading Earth. V stood for visitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were aliens who... Uh, they didn't really invade Earth so much as come and say, hey, can we be part of your excellent community? They came and stole our jobs. And they, then, and they then came they, and they looked pretty and American. But it turned out they weren't pretty and American no, at all. They were ugly and lizard-like. Lizardy, and, they and they ate, ate mice. Mice. <laughs> And they uh, and they and they uh, tried to to mate with us and uh, and and had horrible tongue flicking children. And Freddy Krueger was one of them. Uh, Robert yes. England. Yes, Robert England was. was one of them. Uh, he uh, he was quite a schlub, as I remember. He was quite quite a schlub alien. Uh, and then it was a you know a whole uh, uh, Holocaust thing of uh, of scientists. It was, it, was a, it was a Nazi allegory. It, it was a, it was a Nazi. It could allegory. have been on SBS. I mean, tell us what your news is, and then I will, I will, you know, make vaguely disparaging remarks about it. Go on. They're remaking it. Are they really? Yes, they are. Because I went to bring this in last week as news and couldn't find any actual evidence it was being remade. Well, this is uh, according to Variety. Okay. So, and there will be a link to it on our delicious mm-hmm. uh, page. So uh, it's just delicious.com slash boxcutters. So what do Variety tell us, Josh? Uh, 153. Variety tell us that it will be written by 4,400 co-creator Scott Peters. Mm-hmm. Successful 4,400. Oh, it's not very successful. Uh, Warner Brothers TV is uh, doing the project. They did the, the first one. Uh, and uh, what else? Nothing much, really. Look, it, it may we, be true, but it was just, yeah, last week that this was going around, and I, I found the website of the guy who, who claims to own the rights to it who said that it's not happening. And there seems to be a lot of confusion... 
Then, weirdly, this week, I met um, Jane Badler-Haynes, I think her name is. She played Diana in V. (gasps) And I went, hey, didn't you used to be in V? As one does when you meet (laughs) Jane Badler-Haynes. And it's a long story. Why isn't she in the studio with us? She actually has been. Has she? Not with us. In the studio with us. But with Tim Thorpe on... Okay, because she's she's a cabaret performer about town now. She lives in Melbourne. She's... Anyway, and I, I mentioned to... Actually, the weird thing is I said, well, didn't you used to be in V? And she said, you're the fourth person to, to ask me that, which is kind of weird that it's, it's in the... In the it was partly because I've been researching this for, for box artists. And she said, um, this beautiful thing she told me, she said, I found my agent after 18 years, and I said, get me a role. And we were going, fair enough. You think she should probably ring up and go, I don't care who it is, just get me in that program. Yeah. And um, yes, and she'd heard it was being done by the guy made Lost, uh, by J.J. Abrams, which is... Not no. what's in the variety. No, this not is what I mean. Variety. It's, I have this weird feeling that, that there's this belief that V is being remade, but quite possibly there's no actual legal connection well, uh, to anyone. Also, according to Variety, uh, Kenneth Johnson, who was the original creator of V, tried to build a new series called V the Second Generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Gee. imaginative. It, it, it was a musical. But he's not involved in this version. Mm-hmm. Of of V, so uh, there there are uh, there there are discussions of both, but uh, I find I, I'm fairly sure that uh, want, you know whoever Warners is uh, is backing is going to be the winner More out of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. According to uh, again, according to Variety, uh, this version of V is going to centre on Erica Evans, who is a Homeland Security agent with an aimless son who's got problems. Okay. That's, uh, and then, you know, he falls in love with well, an alien and they have an alien baby or something. Jane Badler Haynes did tell me, she said, yeah, rather than Nazi allegory, terrorist allegory. It's like, oh, that's incredible. It's out of nowhere. <sighs> Genius. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, this is Scott Brennan and I'm bang up for a bit of digital reception on Box Cutters. I've had my box well and truly cut. Ah, Scott Brennan. Scott lowering the tone. <laughs> Even when he's not here. He lowers the tone. Speaking of lowering the tone, uh, last week uh, saw the launch of a new Australian comedy show. The first episode. Yeah, that's a launch. Sure. That's an on-air launch. Hmm. It was on ABC... If they were serious about wanting to launch it, they'd put it on ABC1. It was on ABC2, uh, which is channel... Not Channel 2. <laughs> 21, it, isn't it? Uh, isn't 22 for... You know that ad they play? I think it's like, a, I think that, it's like 126 could, on Foxtel. Because there's <laughs> that, that woman in the ad that's meant to make it easier for you. And like, yeah, I've got digital and I've set it up and it's all fine. And this woman bewilders me. And I'm going, <laughs> I managed to plug mine in. And now you're telling me that it's like 136 and then... And then what's, and what's the supplementary number? Yeah, add the first number you thought of and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a crane. Yeah, that, and... Uh, <laughs> sorry, we should say yes, but this was the first... Comedy show, first narrative comedy show created for ABC2. Yes. So apparently it's a big thing. And then it does play on ABC1. On Friday nights. Yes. Uh, Much quite late. like Double the Fist did. It's called... Review with Miles Barlow. And it's created by Phil Lloyd, who uh, was a writer for Home and Away for a long time. He was, he was one of the staff writers for Home and Away uh, probably about six years ago or so uh, and uh, and was kind of, you know, in charge of the corral there uh, and has gone off on his own. He and the director, help me out here. Uh, I've just got co-writer is Trent O'Donnell. Oh, Trent O'Donnell. 
Uh, yes, he and uh, Trent O'Donnell, who uh, is co-writer and director, uh, made a short film about five years ago and have been working together since and have uh, developed this series for ABC2. The premise is this. Miles Barlow is a television host and he has a show in which he will review everything and give it a star rating. So it's sort of life experiences. So he interviews you know, theft and he interviews... So review reviews risk. Yes, and theft and, and stealing risk. Yes. And, and in the opening credits, there's a, a great moment of drowning. And <laughs> uh, so... Any any kind of life experience, he will review and give a star rating. I think it's a really cute idea. I think it's a, I, I, I do. I think it's a really cute idea that uh, could be really funny. And is it? Well, not so much. See, this is the same thing I had. Actually, I have this weird feeling that it's a show with two ideas, both of which are quite good. Like, like one is if it was about an investigative journalist who just goes too far when he when he does these stories, like the bit where. Miles goes off to become a drug mule to yes. see what that's like. Like, if that was the show, which it was just about a very intense, earnest, you know, uh, journalist who just goes way too far in these stories, I could see how that could kind of work. And the reviewing bits, like the first time you did one of those, I could kind of see how that could work. But the two ideas, I kind of felt cancelled each other out in a way. Partly because oh, yeah. the reviewing is, is, like, reviewing is always about the third person. It's always about this person does that. You know, whereas he's going, so I did this. And you're going, well, that's not reviewing anymore, is it? That's. Yeah, I don't know. It's Gonzo reviewing. Oh, I kind of. But I just had this weird feeling, yeah, like the two ideas just seem to be fighting each other. And I couldn't help thinking that the, the thing about him going and doing the experiences just done as a documentary style series worked better for me. The only, the only bit that really made me laugh in the show is the bit where he's, um, he's off doing the drug mule stuff. And he ends up um, having this really lovely time with one of the other guys he's met who's, yeah. who's being a drug mule. Because it's the one bit where, where the show kind of went unexpectedly somewhere. Like it didn't feel... And it, that, that was lovely and funny. And funny, yeah, because you didn't expect where that was going. And it's, you know, so they hang out together, being drug mules together for a bit. And it's just, yeah, that was, that was the moment that I really liked. And, that's, and, and that was also one of the moments that made me go, okay, well, the show has promise. Because obviously there are smart people who are, who are working on it who, mm. who have an idea about comedy and, and know what they're doing. And there were a couple of times that I laughed in the, in the first episode. Uh, I think that uh, it's... It is a really interesting show, and it, the I really like the little the little snippets, the short reviews. Yeah, the bit about being well. being a bush, um, ranger. bush ranger. Yes, I thought yeah, that, that hi- worked. Highway robbery, one and a half stars. You know, just that that, that kind worked of well, thing. and yeah. uh, and uh, running out your uh, uh, running out your fellow batsman in in cricket, one star. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it, those quick short reviews were really good, but I, I take your point. If it was instead like a takeoff of uh, the what's his name, the uh, super size me guy, uh, yeah, or and if, his, or, his thirty days, or even like a foreign correspondent thing, because that's, that's what it felt to me. Like it felt more like foreign correspondent than it did like you know, the movie well, show. A, it, except it, foreign it, foreign correspondent is not about personal experience, but thirty days is about personal right, experience. Yeah. So if it was if it was a takeoff of thirty days, if mm-hmm. it was, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to do this thing, and rather than just rather than give it a star rating, just let it sit on its own. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it feels to me like you've probably had some experience that I had that it it didn't drive me into a raging fury, which most Australian comedy does. Yes. You know, it, it actually just had me going. 
I kind of like what you're doing, but it's just not... Yeah, I, I just found it really hard to get into. I'd still rather watch an episode of It than Hollow Man. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, see, no, Hollow Man completely mm. won me around by the really? end of Hollow Man. Really? Uh, Hollow yeah. Man just washed over me completely. No, it's just... that's funny, because Hollow Man at the beginning, I had that thing that it was so, I thought, accurate that while I was admiring it, I wasn't actually finding it funny. Um, but as the show went on, it really won me over. And I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Surprised. Because I, mm. I, I would find with, uh, with Hollow Man, I was uh, taping a show that was after it, and... Uh, as such, I would catch like the last two minutes of Hollow Man. I'd watch that and I'd go, "Oh, so that's the joke this week," and then that's all I needed. <laughs> but that's all. That's all I needed to know. This, I, I think it's. I think it's got promise. What, Brett? Did, what, what did you think, Brett? I I wasn't offended by it. Um, <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really, it's funny. It's that sort of show. You go. It didn't make me want to stab things. Well, yeah, 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 which is which is unusual, I think, for, <laughs> for an Australian, Australian comedy. comedy. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, like really understated mm-hmm. in a, in a sense. And I think that they're actually using the the set from at the movies. Yeah, I for the review looked, parts of it, yeah. um, with just the red curtain pulled over a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Well, and there, there was this whole pretense that uh, ABC had with uh, David Stratton coming out and saying Miles Barlow is uh, a horrible human being who you know is just just completely deriding him as any kind of reviewer. Uh, so there's this kind of in-house animosity between Miles Barlow, not a real person, and David Stratton. <laughs> A real person, which is mm. nice, which, nice is, which is mm. cute, and you know, and good on David Stratton for for doing that. He does a lot of that cross cross promotional things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's like uh, there, there are admirable things in it, and, and I should say the incidental music too is fantastic. It's got some of the best music in, in any Australian show at the moment, which I just yeah, you know, it's kind of funny to be in this thing to go, what great music, but but yeah. also with, you know, where did they get the money? Because obviously, like did they, they did some location they stuff. They did location in somewhere stuff. that looks like Vietnam. Looks a lot like Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and you know, it definitely it couldn't be Sydney. So there were there was some real footage in an airport as well at one point, which and did make me wonder if the clients themselves had maybe just filmed this well, cause Gonzo you, style. Because you you're know. not because you're not allowed to record in the customs area mm-hmm. of an airport. So how did they get away with that? Uh, there are things in the show that make me go, well, they've put a lot of work in. How have they done it? I, I suspect it is very cheap, though. I do get cheapness is. Oh yeah, it is, seems. I think the the driving force it of it. Cheap. It's all handheld, but then it's got these like little spikes of expense. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and you know, expense aside, the amount of time and effort that's gone into it. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, it feels to me like it's cheap, but has a lot of effort in it. Yes. And that's why I I almost suspect the overseas stuff, if it is overseas, would be them off their own bat having spend some of their own money to go overseas kind of thing. You know, it feels to me like it's the creativity of the, the people behind it, not necessarily the, the budget. Yes. You know. It does have a very funny opening credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to give it another it's got, go. It's got one of those uh, 3D letters that uh, you guys are a little bit... Opening credits. They're fine to be in opening credits. I just don't like them hovering around the sky <laughs> during the show. Makes me, feel, the makes me feel uncomfortable. What I if don't, they drop? I don't think a rack should have enormous letters hovering above it. I think that's just silly. I'm, and, and I'm not going to park my car with enormous <laughs> letters. Talking about uncomfortable. Was it just me that kind of was having flashbacks to Barlow and Chambers when he was doing the Vietnam drug mule thing? 
It was a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, which for, for the younger was listeners more, may not more, know that. More recently, um, uh, more recently, I was uh, thinking of Van Wyn. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it was but, one, of but the best, one of the best. The uh, one of the best visual gags in there, though, was the whole thing where you know, quite sure what's going to happen, and then it cuts to him on his jet ski, which has been <laughs> yes. yeah, this big thing all along. Sorry, just tuning my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's review with Miles Barlow. Uh, you can catch it on ABC Two on Thursday nights. Oh, at and also you can watch <clears> it on o'clock? the on the ABC's iViewer. It's it's oh, on yes. demand. You can watch it. Um, at any time you like of the ABC website. And, so uh, ABC two, ABC one on Friday nights, um, and, and, and and the iViewer. It must be said, uh, I reckon it's significantly better than uh, Double the Fist. It's a lot less silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're different things. Yeah, it's it's, it's like saying it's like saying a, a donkey is uh, better than <laughs> Kevin Rudd. What? <laughs> it depends on on what yeah what you want the donkey to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to run a country, for example. Mm-hmm. I do want it to carry my baskets through the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want Kevin Rudd to do that. I, I just don't trust him to carry my baskets no, through the Grand Canyon. No, I don't. No. Let's vote him out. Hi, I'm Tim Ferguson, and I listen, they listen, and you should listen to box cutters. They're sharp, they're small, and you can take over your own jumbo jet with them. Box cutters. Thank you, Tim Ferguson. <laughs> Cutting edge humour. The life and times of Tim, not Ferguson. Not Tim Ferguson. Tim uh, is a new HBO show that uh, started a few weeks ago in the United States. And it's created by a man called Steve Dildarian. I know, sounds like a made-up name. But it's not. Steve it does Dil- sound like a made-up name, doesn't it? Yes. It's like, like a science fiction made-up name. Yes. Steve Dildarian. <laughs> Steve Dildarian will save us all. Uh, Steve Dildarian plays Tim voice-wise because this is an animated show. He's the executive producer. He is also uh, the uh, creator and one of the writers on the show. And he plays the star, Tim. It is... A show about awkwardness. It it's is. a show about making mistakes. And, and Tim's a very ordinary man who keeps finding himself in, in very strange situations. I was going to say, I think this is the kind of show that, that you need to actually hear some of. I mean, it'd be better if you could see it. But we have an, yeah. au- we have an audio snippet for you, which I think will help. Well, you'll be able to see, see what we've got of it on the video podcast. There is no video podcast. Don't confuse <laughs> the people. Tim. What? Oh, Amy. Well, I thought you guys were coming in tonight. Who is she? Who? This woman? Yes. Or that woman? That's no. your mother, I assume. <laughs> Who is she? Oh, my name's Debbie. It's Debbie. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm sitting with Debbie. And mm. what is Debbie doing here? She's an electrician. <laughs> oh. That's what she does for a living. An electrician. Yeah. So let's just, uh... Are you what? a prostitute? <laughs> oh, no! What's happening? There, now, now you crossed the line. <laughs> I don't allow that kind of language in this home. <laughs> what a mouth. <laughs> what do you do? I am a self-employed person. But occasionally I do give a $10 BJ. $10 BJ? $10 BJ? What's that? You know what? What does that phrase mean? You should know. What does BJ stand for? I can't believe you got a prostitute while we're on a cruise. You know what? Let's change the subject. How was the cruise? (laughs) So that should hopefully give you a, a, a Good understanding of uh, life and times of Tim. Uh, Tim is is just a man who gets himself into all sorts of trouble without even meaning to, and can't really talk his way out of it. But he will try, 
And seeing him try is, I think, where all the joy comes from. I think we should point out, too, that that's basically like the first sort of minute of the series. Mm, yes. That's mm. actually where it starts, is the episode where Tim has a prostitute. Where Tim gets a prostitute. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's never even fully explained in that episode. And this is one of the things that I really like about Life and Times of Tim, is that you, they won't necessarily show everything that leads up to Tim being in the position that's getting him in trouble. Uh, so... You know, we can kind of gather from that first episode that he has tried to call for an electrician, accidentally gotten Debbie's pin. No, I suspect he's called for a prostitute. (laughs) That's very much, yeah, where I was going with him. Really? I I don't think he... I think he he actually did try calling for an electrician, (laughs) accidentally got... Debbie's pimp and has ended up with Debbie on the couch because oh, they're not doing anything. Bless you, Josh Cannell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we innocent moppet. Um, actually, it is a fake, so that's the only one of, of the, the ones we've seen in which um, yeah, it's it, him has some responsibility for what happens to him. In most of them, it's actually that these weird things kind of just get thrust upon Tim. Yes. So in one episode, he's asked to pretend to be Hispanic for reasons that the the the, the, the company he works with needs to prove it's got more diversity. <laughs> and um, in another one, they're, they're making up stories about what actually happened at a very boring party, and his story turns out to be a, a lot more extreme than we would have expected it to be. But he doesn't know what it is. And uh, actually, yeah, I found the show amazing. I was really taken with how. It's, it's how it escalates these situations. It does, and it just gets. And, and as far as cringe comedy goes, I think it's it's done it in in a remarkable way. Now, and that's, these, that's interesting that you say that. Uh, this was lost a little bit on me. Was it? And and one of the things that it kind of reminded me of, not for for what it, how it shot or anything, was um, curb your enthusiasm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can see. I can see, see, I can see that. that. I can see that it's... Which is also a bit lost on me. Well, it's funny because I'm not a huge fan of Cooper enthusiasm. And, and again, cringe comedy, I'm not hugely a fan of either. But something about this, I think because I found the lines quite funny too. Well, and Tim it, is quite a likeable guy. Tim is quite likeable because he's, he's meant to be an every man who life kind of just treats badly. You know, like he's just a man who, who bad things happen to. Yeah, but, you know, the... the uh, can, I, can I do the spoiler in the second part of the first episode? Well, yeah, it's... Where, it's, where it's, he goes back say, to... To, when, to the office. And when you the say when you there. say second part, we should say these these episodes they're half hour episodes, but they're two fifteen minute vignettes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yes. when he goes back to work and he gets called into the boss's office and he's in trouble because apparently he's been raped by a bum. That one like, was, does that, that make sense? That, so that was that was kind of it's an extreme. It's such an extreme concept, and it, it should be really offensive. But I just, I don't know, I found the way, again, the way that episode escalates constantly, this 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 storyline, I that actually he, just found really funny. He had quite an innocent I- idea, and it has it has spit back in his face. Yes, to try, it, to try and help this so man out from, yeah, to try, to, try and, basically try and save someone else's... Yeah, self-esteem and embarrassment. Who's an asshole to begin with? Who's an asshole to begin with? Somehow Tim has ended up with this incredibly humiliating story going around the office about him. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I found the show really, really quite. So yeah, that that works. For, I don't. He's not getting into trouble for for that though, Brett. I, I think he's definitely been called into the the manager's office because he is in trouble, and well, then he gets sent off to HR. The manager sends him off to get some, to, some, to admit 
to the story that he's already tried to big well, up. Well, because they said to it's psychological help, but because he keeps trying to say it never happened, they all think he's in denial. Which yeah, th- it- it's. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's. It's cute. If uh, if you're a fan of shows like Doctor Cats, uh, yeah, which quite a bit like Doctor Cats, it's, it's yeah. got the same uh, kind of the same meter to its dialogue. Which is very interesting. It's not. It's not squiggle vision, the, but it is. The, it is very say, rough it, drawing. Yeah, though. the very first minute, I kind of thought, "Oh, I don't think I can watch half an hour of this." Like it's such a, a, a childish kind of style, but it works. But it really works. Um, it's actually the, the, the show spun off from a short film called "Angry Unpaid Hooker," which um, uh, which would be Debbie, I'm which guessing. which is Debbie one best animated short at the 2006 Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen. It's been around lots and lots of festivals. Um, I found some of that on YouTube, and it, it looks. Almost exactly like, you know, mm-hmm. the, like the TV show, um, which is kind of funny that it's almost you know, spot on. They just took this and and said, let's spin it out to a show. And I just think it really works. And I also found Steve Del Darian, found an interview with him online. He speaks exactly like Tim in real life. Like, oh. Exactly like his cadences and the timing and the pauses. It's just really weird. There's no gap apparently between Tim, the character. Well, the, the woman who plays Amy, Tim's girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, ha- has never done any performing before at all, apparently. She just was asked by Steve Dildarian, uh, would you like to do the voice for Amy? And she did. And it just, it works. It works so well, I think. I really, I really like this. I'm giving it four miles Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I also want to uh, say Bob Morrow. Uh, is the voice of Debbie, and uh, and Debbie's such a great. I character. do love Debbie. She turns up again in another episode. Like, yeah, I love Debbie. She's such a great uh, character. So, look out for that on the uh, on the interwebs. And that's want- your Brett. And, and so, yeah, just left you cold. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Just, I, I couldn't connect to it, and like just just watching you guys listening to that that soundbite earlier was nothing like how I reacted to it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, not at all. No, no, um, I'll, I'll persist. As you do with everything. Bionic woman. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> the, uh, but um, and, and hopefully I'll, I'll get it. But, you know, I've been hoping with Curb Your Enthusiasm for a few years as well. Well, see, I haven't been hoping with Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I think the big difference here is that uh, Tim is a really likable character. I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, whereas uh, in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm, that guy's just an asshole. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the difference. I, w- I wanted to compare Life and Times of Tim, though, with a-, a show that is kind of similar called Worst Week, which is a remake of a British show called The Worst Week of My Life. And it is about this man who uh, has gotten his girlfriend pregnant. They are engaged. He's going to spend time with her family and uh, basically come clean to, to their family that they are engaged. Ah. So, so, it's, it's a, so, so they're not running off the scripts from the UK series. Because well, in the UK series, they blew up their, their grandmother's house or something. That the the first episode of this appears to have been a remake of one of the English Christmas specials. But then weirdly, the second episode I don't think is connected to any of the English stuff at all, mm-hmm. from what I could kind of determine. And hands up if you've seen Meet the Parents. My hands up. 
Because oh, yeah. it, it seems to me like this is just, oh, let's make a television series of Meet the Parents. Well, apparently this is actually this is the second time they've attempted to make a US version of Worst Week of My Life. Did you ever see? No, Worst I didn't. Week? I was not, not a fan. I mean, the ABC's mm. played it, and yeah, I just, it never grabbed me at all. It's got um, Ben Armstrong, I want to say, from Armstrong and Miller, unless he's Ben Miller. Um, <laughs> anyway, the one whose name is Ben from Armstrong and Miller. The uptight uh, in, one. In the lead. And I, I think he's a great comedic performer, but I just didn't, yeah, never grabbed me. It felt very old fashioned and very clumsy. Well, and here's, here's the thing with the new one. Sorry, you were going to say. Jim. I was going to say, so the weird thing is, though, not only have the Americans now, you know, remade it twice, um, but it's also been remade, I think, in German as well. So it's, it's, it's obviously an idea that people have, have embraced. It, it is. It is. It's an idea. It's an idea from the 1970s that people have embraced. <laughs> called some mothers do have them. That, I, yeah, I was going to say the funny thing about it is it's such an English farce concept. So you start off with your kind of yeah, your 60s kind of farces with your whole run for your wives and and um, no sex please with British. Those sort of shows in which if anyone just stopped to explain what was actually going on, everything would be fine. Yes. Like it's, it's yeah, you just do that one moment to go. Oh no, actually, what happens? I broke your vase. You know, and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, and then exactly some others do have like you just watch this thinking it's just Frank Spencer all over again. It's and I actually think the American one, oddly enough, compared to what we were saying last week, works better than the British one. I actually think it's it's the American one is sort of single camera. It's a film style. Oh, because the, the British one would have had a laugh track. Yeah, it was been... much more sort of sitcom-y. And, um, yeah, it was kind of funny. I don't think it had a laugh track in the British one. Didn't? I no. remember it being very sitcom-y. It was definitely shot in video. It definitely had a kind of video-y look to it. And so, yeah, it was weird watching this going, I think this is working better, but the central idea of it is still so kind of archaically British that what's the point, mm. really? Kurtwood Smith, who played uh, the previously mentioned Red in that 70s show. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Archie Bunker was... Uh, Archie, oh, Archie Bunker. Bunker, well done. Yeah, uh, yeah Kurtwood Smith, who who played uh, who played Red, is the father-in-law to be in this one, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I think he's far and away the best actor. The, the, the mother-in-law is also a very established She's actress, done, isn't she? Yeah, Nancy Nancy Lenehan, who has done a lot of little parts. Because yeah, very familiar, and I thought both of them, both the parents, I thought doing a really good work with what they've got. But the the guy who plays Sam, who is the the guy that everybody the the uh, um, kind of uh, the schlemiel, if you will, the guy that <laughs> everything happens to, uh, and you know whether he likes it or not, uh, Kyle Bornheimer. I just don't believe him. I just don't believe him in that role. I don't. I, I don't believe that anyone who looks like they are that together in the world, I mean, he he just looks too much like an adult for me to believe that he would go and uh, and and piss in the kitchen. Well, right? he, it's, he, he 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 pisses on the goose because the lights have gone out. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, um, yeah, I don't know. How could, how, it could just he felt think, how could he even think that he was in the in toilet? The toilet. I, yeah. It's just so completely unbelievable. It, it reminds me of the letters that uh, the father from the Brady Bunch used to write to Sherwood Schwartz, where he would rip apart little bits of the... Uh, uh, little bits of the episodes going, no, nah, this is unbelievable. I can't, I cannot believe this. This is not a believable situation. Therefore, it is not funny. Therefore, you must change the script. And, uh, would, would Schwartz change the scripts? On that? Uh, sometimes he, sometimes he would. And there's, there is a great story of, uh, Schwartz, you know, that episode where they put, uh, where they put, a, a 
payphone in the house because people are using the phone too much. And so they put a payphone in the house. It's a great episode of The Brady Bunch. And... Uh, and and Sherwood Schwartz did his research and found that there was only one part of California where you could actually privately own a payphone and have it in your house. And uh, and so he knew that, but he didn't put that in the script. He just put the phone uh, in the house. And he also knew that Robert Reed would do his research and uh, and... Then, like three days before shooting, Robert Reed called up Sherwood Schwartz and said, "Sherwood, uh, what? Uh, where do the Bradys live?" <laughs> and uh, and Sherwood said, "Oh, California." Yeah, but what? What part of California? <laughs> oh, well, just you know, just outside of LA. Yeah, but where outside of LA? Like, where do they live? The Valley. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Robert Reed hung up the phone, and that was it. Because that was the only place you could own. A- <laughs> Robert, think, Robert Reed was a very angry man. Wasn't very, he? <laughs> very, well, he was very angry man. He was he was a, a great actor, mm-hmm. a really great stage actor who took this job because it it paid well, and he had no idea how well it was going to do. And then he knew by this stage he knew he was never going to work again. That it was just going to be impossible for him to have any other role. So he really tried to make that as theatrical as possible and as realistic as possible. It was amazing stories come out of the Brady Bunch. But if Worst Week had someone like Robert Reed taking apart the, the scripts with a fine-tooth comb and bringing more realism into them... I think it, it would be a better show. Well, it's funny, though, because uh, comparing these two shows is quite interesting because they are quite similar sort of premises, you know, premises, premises, in a way. And I really liked one and really disliked the other. And, and, and my partner actually said, you know, they're much the same. What's the difference? And I was trying to work out what it was. And I realized that Worst Week is quite mundane. Like, it's, it's you know, pissing on a goose doesn't happen to all of us. But, you know, it's, mm. it's you know, whereas... Whereas the stuff, um, it's almost like it's the same stuff that you would see in, in some others do have them if it was being made now. You know, they're not, they're not outlandish things that, do, you, know, you know, you kill someone's pet and that sort of stuff. And you're going, oh, yeah, it's outrageous. Whereas the stuff in, in Tim, the Lifetimes of Tim, it's just completely nuts. And it escalates to, you know, the police are always involved or he has to go on television. And, and it was, I think it was just the, the scale made it funny. Whereas Worst Week just seemed mundane and just seemed to be... Too close to... Well, the, the other thing as well is that Tim doesn't try to make anything better, really. He tries to just pretend like nothing's happened mm. and, and just continue... No, let's just forget about it. We'll continue on with our lives. We, we don't need to know. Whereas uh, Sam in Worst Week will try to make things better and by trying to make things better will actually make things make worse. Things worse. Yeah. And I think that's that's a huge difference as well because... We just go, well, no, you're an idiot, leave. Yeah, it's also a kind of show where if anyone says something like, um, I really like this object here, this is an object of some importance to me, you go, yeah, okay, right, can we just get on with it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like... We know that oh, sorry, I broke it. Hooray! Yeah, but that's going to happen 15 minutes after that, and it just, yeah, it just got a bit... Off. <laughs> oh, my sock's coming off. Josh has to readjust his sock. That's better. <clears throat> uh, so, anyway, that's uh, Worst Week, which we did not like very much. I was curious, though, how many episodes is it? Because I couldn't find any... Worst, of... worst Week? Because it seems to suggest you can only do seven episodes, which seems a bit 
odd for an American. Yeah. 13 uh, episodes have been ordered for the first season. Well, how are you going to do How's a second? How's it going to be? Because each, each episode's taking a day. And so it's... Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was kind of a bit surprised That's thinking. Maybe, maybe each week is successively worse. You know, if this, if this show lasts seven episodes, I'll be very <laughs> impressed. And uh, Life and Times of Tim uh, is on HBO. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet somewhere. And hopefully it will, uh, it will come onto, I don't know, Comedy Channel or Channel 10. It's got, it's got a bit of Channel 10 about it. Bit of Channel 10, 11 p.m. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got a slight kind of um, Flight of the Concords y kind yeah. of feel to it. Or a bit to it. Harvey Birdman or mm. yeah. Cats. Yeah. Yeah, so, so SBS. So something maybe SBS. Yeah. There is it's it's quite adult swim even though it's HBO. Hmm. Yeah. Post I have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman, the postman, the postman, the postman. Oh sorry, I broke it. You've broken it. I've broken it. Hey. Uh, you said it was precious to you, and I've broken it. Hilarious. Sorry. Uh, this is a, a letter from uh, Alex Boxcutter, who wrote if in a couple of weeks If you killed someone's ago. child, that'd be funny. I'm sorry, I killed your baby. Yeah, try that in a comedy and see how far you can get with it. Well, he, you know, he, th- they thought that he uh, killed the father-in-law. There yeah, was- but he was old. No, but also we 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 were we were told. Clearly that he hadn't killed... Anyway, um, Letters from Box Letters from Box Cutters. <laughs> it's a shit show. Let's just not... Let's, yeah. uh, we've already thought about it too much. Worst week is not a good show. Uh, Letters from Box Cutters. Alex Box Cutter wrote in a, a couple of weeks ago, and we forgot to mention this one last week, uh, just uh, with a little bit of crap TV. Uh, the, uh, he's talking about the Channel 9 news on a weekend, and this is uh, when they found uh, Brit's body in the Europe. That would be Britain Lapthorn, who's yes. yep. Uh, I only know her as Brit's body, but yes, they uh, they found Brit Lapthorn uh, missing in the Europe. The Channel Nine, according to uh, according to Alex Boxcutter, the blonde, scary-looking anchor lady was doing a cross to James Talia in Croatia. I love her. She, she's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, blonde, scary anchor lady. In the second cross, she was actually turned back to camera. So, with her back facing the camera, talking to James as if the green screen actually was him in the room looking at her. <laughs> Ridiculous and stupid. I think that's great. Says Alex. When does a new re- newsreader have her back to the audience? She did it again a few stories later as if trying to convince the audience that Nine now has the technology to make a green, spree- green screen wall display also a magical two-way display slash capture portal to whatever the reporter on the scene is. That's brilliant. To wherever the reporter she, she was, uh, Yeah, eventually they'll probably be able to do holograms. Yeah, they've been doing that testing of holograms recently. Um, they, they beamed yeah, Rove into some place in Adelaide or something. Um, Telstra's been doing various hologrammatic... <laughs> Mm. Josh is just shooting his piano. Just, just shooting. <laughs> um, they've been beaming holograms from Adelaide to Perth or somewhere else tedious like that. And <laughs> so your birthplace, <laughs> my birthplace. Yeah, yeah. And um, it just, I just think it's kind of funny. The news trying to look like they're so cutting edge by going, yeah. Soon James Talia will be hologrammatically projected here, and I shall be discussing. Now, isn't him. this just one of the consequences of doing the news without a desk? Well, yeah. 
Yes and no. You can still uh, face forward or at least face sideways. I mean, oftentimes yeah. you'll see you'll see them facing sideways to face a, an imaginary television. I don't uh, get the standing up news thing anyway. Though, what is the whole standing up news? I mean, because yeah, there, there was that British comedy series always had the standing up news in it, and now we're doing it for real. Like, what, what's it meant just to- trying to get rid of all their new stuff? Right, or will they use desks? It's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't uh, really don't hurt. Don't give them a desk. They won't have a desk to come to in the morning. <laughs> They'll feel uncomfortable and leave. <laughs> I just don't get, as an audience member, what I'm supposed to be taking out of the fact that she's standing up. Like, is the news more urgent? Is yes. It, is it more... That is exactly right. Right. That, that the news is, it's too urgent to sit down. Don't sit down. That's what ads are for. Sit down in the ads. Watch the ads. Enjoy it. Put your feet up. Yeah. News is on. Stand up. Stand up Pay attention. News. It's so it's so they can during the ads run off into the newsroom and and get the latest hot off the presses right. See, stuff. Leland and Chen, back in and Leland Chin standing not up too much. <laughs> Leland Chin standing up with a megaphone in a car park. Oh. That would work. That would be the best news service I could possibly imagine. <laughs> Huge wide shot of car park. Leland Chin shouting at me through a megaphone. I would watch that news. But but scary, you know, blonde anchor lady on Channel Nine. I'm not going to believe that anymore. And in further news... <laughs> See, that's, 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 that's convincing. What, that's what it would be like. That's convincing, though. That's convincing. And, and in further news, James Talia joins us from Europe. <laughs> Next time we have James on the show, that's how I'm going to introduce him. <laughs> Through a megaphone in a car park. That's great. Welcome, James. <laughs> just uh, speaking of, of news things, uh, I just wanted to mention this amazingly, beautifully awkward moment I saw on uh, uh, is Channel, Channel 10, 10 isn't it? Sandra Sully News. Um, last week, just after leaving the, uh, the Boxcutter Studios here in Boxcutter House. Um, in fact, it's kind of at the end of Sports Tonight. Is it, well, no, Sandra's it, just kind it's, of... It's, been, isn't the link to Sports Tonight? I, I think it's... It's two in one. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. Oh, okay. So there was Sandra and there was Big Red, the sports Brad. presenter. Brad. Um, the the story was about the um, the Australia's oldest woman. She's 106, and she's the the 30th oldest person in the world. 112. 112. I think I might have seen that. 115. Yeah. Sold. No, um, I'm pretty sure it's 112. Okay, but at the end of it, you're um, 112. Her name her name's something Riley. I forget her first name. And and Big Red went S- Samantha. And he went. She certainly has been living the life of Riley. And then there was that, that uncomfortable pause from Sandra Sully. And then Sandra Sully went. Hmm. And move some papers. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually he said, you've got to say something now or it doesn't work. <laughs> and I thought that was just gorgeous. It was just, it's funny because the news is so controlled to a degree that you don't even realise until it breaks down. And then you find yourself going, oh yeah, that's what real life looks like. Well, sometimes their pauses are so long that they actually get, get stepped on by the outro. <laughs> well, and, and it's it's quite a regular occurrence. Oh, this, well, this is the there's great always thing about, that really pregnant. Because I, I went looking on YouTube in the hope that someone would have uploaded this and I could bring it in tonight and and play it, and uh, I couldn't find it. But there is a whole stack of clips called um, uh, S and B sexual tension, and there are all these clips between the these two, you know, Sandra and and Ben, um, just Brad, the, Brad, just the awkward little moments between. Oh. Will you, uh, will, will you put a link up to that on the, uh, on the I, blog? I, so I can go and have a look. Because, and, and, yeah, it's trying to imply that it's some kind of Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy movie going on in which, you know, she was a news presenter, he was a sports reporter. Eventually they fell in love. That's great, because Channel, uh, Channel 10 Melbourne have a great history of the uh, anchor just pretty much doing what he wants. Uh, Mal Walden coming back from a story and just basically talking about how it's a worthless story. 
Bless you, Mal. You know, which you can also find on, on YouTube, some, some mm-hmm. great Mal Walden moments. Uh, but, yes, that's, uh, that's great. I, I think I, I like the idea that Channel 10 are just giving their newsreaders freedom to cause drama. Well, it is interesting, too, that if people are following this as a, as a storyline, you know, and, and making them on YouTube, that's great for Channel 10, that it's creating a certain, yeah, you know, that's- intense personal... Connection. Maybe their shares will go up to a dollar fifteen. No way. I'm also just about the letters from box cutters. To I want to thank GB Smith seventy one, who put an amazing bit of work in um, in the comments of last week's show. He's put a link to a poster for the uh, for the phone number. Yes. For um, I forget the first four digits. Zero four five eight. <laughs> but doctor, and um, it's basically a picture of a doctor putting on a rubber glove, uh, saying, uh, "If you're having trouble with digital reception." <laughs> Call the butt doctor. And there's a picture of Scott Brennan saying, your mum loves her. <laughs> and he just brought all the elements of last week's show into one filthy poster. And I thought that was quite astonishing work. It's great. Mm. It's great. Mm. And I, I, want, I did wonder if that was GB Smith or if he'd just uh, picked it up from a Google image search. Oh, yeah, the, the, in the uh, actual uh, picture. Doctor the actual oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I must admit, I don't know who the, uh, who the butt doctor is. But it was a combination of the elements I thought really worked. Mm. Okay, question three. Which can are all these going to be about war? No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Thanks to the wonderful Crumpler who give us bags and pouches and things to give to you, the listener. For part of our quiz, we have a digit. Sporty all guys. Reception. Point four. You could you could be the recipient of a digit. <laughs> I do love the fact that every it's a blue week, orange digit. Yeah, we have to try to explain to you what you're winning, and it's just a, it's a bag with a crumpler logo on it, and it's a weird shape, and it does stuff. It's like there's no help from Crumpler in their packaging to tell you what these does bags this, are for. Can you put fried chicken in this one? Uh, no, there's no. Oh, you can. Yeah, you can put fried chicken in it. Nice. Okay, you can put fried chicken in it. So that's uh, this is a really nice color scheme. It's, it's a, it's oh, sorry, we don't have a quiz this week. <laughs> uh, yes, Unfortunately, you can, they've already seen it on the video podcast. You can see the lovely no colour scheme. They've seen nothing. You can win a digit sporty guy 0.4, which uh, if you go on to crumpler.com.au, you can have a look at uh, maybe before you enter, just in case you go, <laughs> do I need something that size? It's, it's an interesting because size. Because they have something every size. It's a great size was, for a digital fit. camera. Oh, yeah, look for that. I was going to say small kitten, but yours makes more sense. A, a small kitten camera. Yes. Which uh, Nokia are bringing out <laughs> soon, I hear. And it's got a special uh, Prince Charles protective seal. <laughs> so Prince Charles will not come anywhere near you if you're carrying that. It's like garlic. For, Apparently for it makes double sure that no unwanted water, dust or... Corgis into your bag. Corgis. <laughs> corgis. <laughs> it says corgis. Yet, it will produce fried chicken at will. <laughs> That's uh, squeeze it in the right spot. It's the Crumpler uh, Sporty Guy digit. If you want to win, you need to email us, hooray at boxcutters.net, or click on the Talk To Us link. That's all? Uh, at the top. Or you could text us, 0458 Cutter. And give us the answer to this question, John Richards. Uh, well, I, I like to bring in theme tunes because you can't Google them. So, um, so basically, today's question is to name this theme tune. Um, I, I, I'm going to tell you it's from the 70s, but you're going to hear it in a second and you would know that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, can we? this is the theme tune you must, you must be able to recognise. 
starts very loud. Yeah, I think the 70s thing probably would have been guessed. Yeah, I think so. Certain motifs. <laughs> it does. That it I recognise from other theme tunes. What, was there a, a Hanna Barbera version of Starsky and Hutch? <laughs> if there, if there this was. Would, this would be perfect this for it. This would be it. brilliant for it, yeah. Yeah. I like to think it's from Gus Mercurio's short lived variety program, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's our sudden ending. Mm. Sudden ending. It's got a sudden ending. Do you know the weird thing too? It has a really weird, truncated, obviously badly cut off ending. But that's actually how it is in the original program. Because <laughs> I went, oh, that's terrible. I'll go back and, and yeah, cut it again. No, it really ends like that. Obviously, someone oh. pressed the wrong button at the time when creating the original master tape. <laughs> so, yeah. Bad luck. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we've already given you some clues. It is not the Hanna-Barbera version <laughs> of Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> I'll also tell you, uh, it's it's not the adventures of Pimp Man and Chimp Boy. And it's not that current affairs porn show, Take Off Your Clothes and Think. It's not that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's three shows it's not. It's not. So if you were thinking it was Take Off Your Clothes and Think, hard-hitting current affairs from the 70s. Yeah. Also, that's Daniel Cardone's joke, so I do apologise, Daniel, for ripping that off. Oh. Well... Here he comes through the door now! No! So, yes, it's none of those things. If you know what it is, though, let Emails, us know. Hooray at boxcutters.net and let us know the answer to this week's quiz. You can win yourself a sporty guy, and as always, with these difficult questions, if no one wins it this week, everyone gets another shot next week. Mm. But try to win it this week because uh, you'll increase your chances. Hey, um, when I cast my pod. It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Ah, pork. That's all we have time for (laughs) this week. I'm a a bit peckish after the the whole chicken drumstick digit squeezing thing. (laughs) Brings us to the end of Fox Cutters, <laughs> episode 153. And no one had any pork? I managed to you know, put all the things I wanted to say into the other segments randomly. So that's, yeah, that's my approach now. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's, that's how the show's supposed to go. No, but, but just randomly shoving them into stories. Like, you know, the, the, the idea that pork is actually a segment <laughs> still seems so bizarre to me because it's a segment of things that didn't fit in a segment. Okay. Essentially, it's things that we just couldn't cut out of the show. Right. Brett, anything? Um, no. What? No. Oh, you know what? I'm, I wanted to mention, Ray Martin uh, did a, a speech. He did the Andrew Ollie speech this year. Uh, Ray Martin, you might remember him. The from Andrew Trump. Ollie media lecture? Yes. Or That's is it. it just the Andrew no. Ollie memorial lecture? It's memorial it, lecture. It's media. It? It's media lecture. It? 2008. Oh, okay. According to the Australian, mm-hmm. it is. The Andrew Ollie Media Lecture. It was on uh, the telly last night, and you'll uh, you'll remember Ray Martin from television. Uh, he used to be on. Uh, he used to be on. I think it was uh, this day tonight. My nan loved mm. him. Yeah, yeah, she loved him. He used to be on the Mike Walsh show. That's yeah, right. That's what you yeah. liked him yeah, on yeah, the Mike yeah. Walsh show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Anyway, he uh, he gave uh, the. Uh, the media lecture this year, and he says, my opinion is this. We need owners again with a genuine passion for the business. Talking about television. Owners who understand the value of news, not just profits. And then goes on to talk about how television should really embrace the internet. That's, I mean... Ignoring the second part for a moment, that's never going to happen, though, is it? I mean, you're never going to get owners of TV stations now who are actually interested in TV. I mean, no, not anymore. No, that's what I mean. Like, but never. I mean, there's never going to be someone going, you know what? I have a dream to, to make a TV station. It's like, no, Kerry just- Packer did. Kerry Packer did. Did have a dream? He was good at programming, wasn't he? We'd ring up halfway through and go take this shit off. Kerry Packer <laughs> was very passionate about uh, about running his network. And mm. uh, and that was after after moving out of the magazines, which his father had been primarily interested in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, yeah, there's there's no one like him. Even Kerry Stokes uh, is... He's too concerned with buying up everything and anything. Uh, doesn't really care what's going on with his, uh, with his network as long as it's winning the ratings. Uh, and uh, Fox? Uh, Fox? Murdoch? Well, Murdoch's more interested in, in news, though, I still think, yeah. is where his interests lie. As as insane and right-wing as Fox News Network is. I, I get the thing that's where Murdoch... Murdoch... I, I always think of Murdoch as being the Jonathan Price character from that James Bond movie. You know, um, the world is not enough. Yes. And in my head now, I, I always get them mixed up. So, mm-hmm. Yes. So Murdoch's trying to start a war in China because it's good for business, you know, and, and <laughs> with a stolen nuclear weapon. And um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's a I think it's a valid point. The 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 point about uh, owners taking an interest. It, it, it's like it is like any business. It should be like any business. You should be interested in the product that you're creating. Uh, he he goes on to talk about uh, how in America. Networks like uh, CBS and NBC are saying that they're not in the television business anymore. They're in advertising. They're in audience business. They're in the audience business. They're about getting audiences to watch. They're about getting audiences to log on to the internet. They're about getting audiences to read their magazines or do whatever it is that they do. But the only reason they want audiences is so that they can be in advertising, sell their audience to their advertisers. Yes, but it's a it's it's a different it's a different concept because it's not about taking care of your advertisers. It's about taking care of your audience, and the advertisers will follow. I think that's a, a very interesting philosophy. Of course, if uh, if networks were going to listen to Ray Martin, he'd still have a job. So uh, <laughs> that uh, <clears throat> yeah, just a little bit beside the point. Well, Ray, sure. I, I must be, I find myself constantly wondering now where money is going to ever come from to make TV shows as well. Just in that, in that so many of us do watch, you know, so much telly through download, you know, and... and so it's my fault now. It's your fault, Josh. Right. It's you. No, I, I kind of wonder, it's, it does seem like television stopped being the thing that it was, but it, it doesn't know what it's going to be next. And it's like you're saying, embracing the internet, I'm always surprised to discover that I can actually just go and watch the Daily Show from their website, like, because I got so used to downloading it and watching it, that in fact, the fact that I can go and just watch it immediately, I'd kind of skip that step. Well, the uh, yes, you you can skip that step, mm. but a lot of people still want it pumped into their house passively. That's uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, a, a lot of us who who do download will do things like uh, I really liked that show. I'm going to go and buy it on DVD because it will look better on DVD. That's yes. the other thing too. Like the downloads look kind of bad. You know, yeah. they, they they're washed out and they're but they're, they're more they're more about uh, for me they're more about 
getting the show so that I can uh, review them and mm. uh, and keep abreast of them. But even though like SBS puts Newstopia up and I can watch it there, which is where I do watch it, but they don't put the ads in. Like, The Daily Show actually does include one ad per ad break, so at least they try and... Yeah, much shorter ads, but they're still getting some sort of income back from it. Newstopia not including ads, which they play think, when it goes live. I think air. if they could get ads, they would. Okay, I think that's uh, that's uh, you know, uh, Sean Brown will put ads on wherever he can. I'm just saying, occasionally it does worry me that the people because running he's, uh, TV... Because his, his, his brother has not given him back his money yet. But when he does, <laughs> when he returns... But yeah, like, like Ray's saying, the people running TV don't care about TV. The people like me who care about watching TV tend to do it in ways that doesn't actually put money back into TV. So I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if we're doing the show another three years' time, if we're just, you know, reviewing what rock is that, you know, because that's the only <laughs> show that's on, <laughs> that's on anymore. You know, it's... it's you know, or, or reviewing the highlights of, of this week's repeats of Simpsons episodes, it's going to be... Well, the thing is, television's changing, and, and the last time we had Tom Elliott on, he was uh, basically saying television is, is dead, uh, long live whatever's coming on after it. Uh, it is changing as a medium, and uh, it's, you know, it's a very interesting time as far as where where is it going to go. I think uh, DVD sales is one part of it. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, web-based content is uh, another part of it but people are still going to have televisions in their houses for a very long time and the networks need to work out what's the best way to use their $1,300 investment in a flat screen television (laughs) like that's 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 it you know people are investing in television and are still going to use it for watching television so how do the networks best capitalise on that? That's, the, that's definitely the challenge for the future. Definitely. Uh, yet uh, Ray Martin, still without a job. Now, uh, we did mention last week, uh, Sunday night, the new uh, proposed news service uh, show on Channel 7, 6.30 Sunday nights. Yes. Uh, which Adam Boland has now finished up with Sunrise to go and uh, concentrate on. Uh, apparently, the front runners for the hosting roles on that are Andrew O'Keefe and Samantha Armitage. Andrew O'Keefe? Mm. The game show host and former comedian Andrew O'Keefe. Yeah, but he has been doing Sunday Sunrise. Or Weekend Sunrise, or whatever they call it. And he's still never gotten his uh, talk show up and happening. Which was going to be 7HD. It's going to be 7HD, and yeah, it's gone no through gonna many, watch. many different uh, different names. Uh, started as the late Andrew O'Keefe, because it was a late night TV show. Which was actually a funny name, I yeah. thought. Uh, but then, most recently, was going to be uh, a talk show with improvised... Uh, theatre bits, strangely. Anyway, yes, he's going to be presenting a news program with all that credibility. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 153. You're you're Foxtel's bitch. Have you you ever mentioned uh, the Triple One Hits news station, new channel coming up? Do you know anything about it? No. No? No, it's a Foxtel... uh, uh, it's another library entertainment channel, um, apparently in a preemptive strike against uh, the free-to-air channels going multi-channel. Right. What's it going to have on it? Uh, Repeats of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, including Friends, Will and Grace, Ellen McBeal, The Wonder Years, That 70s Show, E.R. <sighs> Murphy Brown, Elf, Lost, 24 and Baywatch. 
That's just shit um, they used to have on TV One. US hits from Warner Brothers, Disney, and 20th Century Fox Studios. Also known as shit they used to have on TV One. No, I'm all about watching the baseball. Our TV now. One's not that anymore. TV One's still that. But clearly, there's so much new shit that they <laughs> put on TV. Pushing out all the old shit. Pushing out all the old shit. Now it brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 153. I want to say thanks very much to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. If you want to enter the quiz, you can by emailing us the answer to the question, what theme is this? That was the question, but we didn't actually play the theme just now. And, and not the theme they're playing now. No. This, this is the Box Cutters theme. That's the theme. Box Cutters theme. And that's we'll too easy. That. Yeah. 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 But the theme that John played the earlier. In the- no, I don't want the theme now. <laughs> I don't want it now, Brett. I don't. This is a great theme to go out on, though. Let's go out on this. All right. <laughs> So, until next week. <laughs> Hooray at BoxCutters.net. I also want to say thanks to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week, or as John called it, BoxCutters House. Uh, I also, <laughs> you, you can catch them on the web at rrr.org.au. <sighs> Hooray at BoxCutters.net, 0458-CUTTER, if you want to get in touch with us. Also, if you enjoyed this show, please go onto the, our website at BoxCutters.net and click on the survey link. It's a very short survey that will help us make the show better. That's what we're trying to do. Make it better so that you enjoy it a lot more. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same funky bat time. <laughs> Same funky bat channel. Hard oh, stopped. And hey, <laughs> let's be careful out there.